0: Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Milo. This was such a good morning of worship on a on a cold winter's morning. It fills my my soul with fire when we get to worship God like that. Guys, today is a, a special day. We'll see what happens tonight with if there's new lockdown regulations. So We don't know, this might be um, our last in-person meeting for a while, let's hope not, but um, if it is, um, luckily we can still meet online, but it is a special time because, let me say this first, if you don't know me, I'm Louis, I'm one of the pastors at Prodeo, and this is a special time in our church story because it's a time of transition. Um, For those of you that do not know, most of you probably already know that um, we accepted a call to lead a church in Canada, in Toronto, um, it is a place where Christianity has very, very radically been shrinking over the last um, decade or two. Um, to a point where there's today only about 18% of, Christian, of Protestant Christians in Canada. And we really feel that um, after a lot of prayer... And by the way, this is super cold to me, so I don't know how I'm going to survive that. (laughs) I'm not a cold person. Um, But we felt after a lot of prayer that this is where God is leading us. And God has been opening a whole bunch of doors for our church um, through this whole pandemic and everything that happened to be at a place where for the next three weeks, we will go through a transition of me handing over leadership of Prodeo to Milo. And today is my turn to bring a handover message, and this is probably one of the most difficult messages that a church, that a pastor can ever preach. I think the only time when this is a nice message, if he is if he doesn't like his church, if it's really a nasty church and they had like a lot of disagreements, um, th- then he's probably like Hallelujah! It's my it is finally time that time I can preach a message and I can move on. For me, this is really hard. We started. A church planting journey uh, more than five years ago. First worked in the city, and then here. Um, it is a church that we've dreamed about. It is a church that we love, and um, it's a church that we believe is really going to influence this city—not just now, but for the long haul. So it's—it's it's not an easy message to preach, but this one today is probably the easiest one I've ever had to preach with the transition, because of the man who's taking over from me, and because the call that God has on his life. But let me start this way and ask you, how is it for you? So if you know that we are in this transition phase, if you've heard that we might be leaving, some of you might be like, yes, finally Louis is going, I don't like him. But hopefully, for a lot of you, it is, it is a difficult time as well. You're like, ah, oh, that is not what we hoped for, that is not um, what we were planning for. So how is it for you? What has been going on in your mind? And as you're processing that, we're going to talk today about a couple of realities that happens during a time of transition. A time of change always brings some realities to light. And today, if you're here for the first time, I want to, I want to make this disclaimer. Today's message is kind of like a family meeting. So it's when you get the family around the table and you're like, let's, let's have a good talk. And you are one of those guests that just walked in, at this random time, and you're going to join us around our table. So um, I want to say sorry for that, but, but hopefully it will bless you somehow as well, where you will be like, God has spoken to, be, to me about something beautiful. But we're going to have a family meeting today, and we're going to be talking about two things today as we head into the season of transition. We're going to be talking about our heart this, today, and we're going to be talking about our vision for the future. And our topic today is quite simple, moving on. Three dots, dot, dot, dot. And you know what those dots mean. Something is happening. Something is coming after this sentence. This is not the end. This is the beginning of something. But how do we move on from where we are currently at? And for us as a church family, <clears throat> it's moving from one lead pastor to another, For you in your personal life, it might mean moving from one job to another, um, transitioning between bosses at work. It might mean transitioning a big life stage for you. But how do we move on in a healthy way? In the early church, the church that we read about in the book of Acts, the church that existed right after Jesus ascended to heaven, there was also handovers and transitions and things that happened. And guess what? Even the people that that kind of had a direct relation to Jesus also didn't always get it right. They also made some mistakes sometimes. And therefore, we're going to read about a church today, an early church in the city of Corinth that Paul planted and that didn't always get everything right when it came to transitions. So I want you to read with me. When, when we started planning for this, this text was on my heart, so I really believe this is what God um, has for our church this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 14. Paul planted this church. There's been some other leaders who've led the church. One of them is called Apollos, and this is what Paul writes. He says, after all, So, by the way, they were fighting between who's the better leader. You kind of read that in the text before this, Paul or Apollos, and then Peter. And he says, after all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering, What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert building. Now others are building on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold or jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder receives a reward. That's what we're going to read. We read this whole thing in in the first verses of 1 Corinthians 3. Paul addresses the people because they have this fight about who's the better leader, Paul or Apollos. And it's this huge thing in the church. And they basically formed four groups we read about in the book of Corinth. Some people were for Paul. They had like a Paul faction. We had a Paulus faction. We had a Cephas or Peter faction. And then there were the purists that said like, no, 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 we're the Jesus faction. Like we, we are for Jesus. He's the man. And they built these little groups around certain identities. Now, Paul planted this church and he didn't stay in churches too long. For some places he planted, he was a week or two. The longest amount of time he ever spent at a church was in the church of Corinth, and he stayed for 18 months, a year and a half. But now Paul has moved on. Apollos has, be, has ministered there as well, and people are fighting. And my dad um, had this, this uh, phrase for it uh, in, in Afrikaans, so I directly translated it to English as this, the ghost of pastors past. My dad always said, the previous pastor will haunt the church for 6 to 18 months. If he was good, the new pastor will always be compared to what the previous pastor did if he did a good job. If he was bad, everyone will be watching the new guy. Like, when is he going to make a mistake like that as well? But it's the ghost of pastors past, and this is what, exactly what happened in 1 Corinthians 3. And this doesn't just happen when people leave, but when there's different leaders in a church, and this could be a team leader, it could be a community, a group leader, it could be a pastor, you often see this. And I've seen this when I was growing up in church where if there's more than one pastor, you, have, you cannot tell someone who's preaching when. Because like if this pastor is preaching, this group of the church shows up. If this pastor is preaching, another group of the church shows up. And, and you see this in other ways as well. When we, when we look especially at big churches, we see this whole rock star pastor phenom- phenomenon where, where these guys rise up to be larger than lives, and it, it's almost like as if people are worshiping them. So a lot of people say like, oh, big churches are so bad because it led to this rock star pastor thing. I want to tell you, pastors can be rock stars in little churches as well. I've seen people worshiping pastors in little churches as well. But it's this whole unhealthy thing where people started building something around an identity. And if you read in verse 1 to 4, Paul says when you are looking at church leaders, and when you are looking at transitions in church, and, this, and, and you start to build these factions and, and division in the church, it comes from one place, he says in verse 1 to 4. You can go and read it at home. He says it comes from spiritual immaturity. And he literally says this. He says, it's because you're spiritual babies. You still drink milk. It's like that is why you're having these fights and all this stuff, because you're babies. So he talks to them in the verses that we read about a couple of things, but I feel they lie on two levels, and I've already mentioned them. One is on the heart level that we're going to talk about today. What does God want to do in our hearts during times of transition? And the other one lies in headspace, in our vision for the future. How does God want us to look at the future? And he basically talked to them on these, like in these two levels and trying to guide this church. Why? Because he wants a church to grow. He wants a church to be healthy. So we're going to look at these two groups today. And the first area that we're going to be speaking about is when we go through a time of transition, the first thing we need to do is we need to check our hearts. Paul uses from verse 5, Two, verse nine, he uses three times the same kind of structure. He says, "Paul, Apollos, and they not answer." So the whole time he uses the structure that there's this issue where people had this group for Paul, this this group for Apollos, and it comes from some kind of broken spiritual immaturity, and then he gives them an answer. And that is what we're going to look at. Three things. So if you are a note taker, I want you to take notes because I have got a couple of points today that we need to run through. It will be about five points in total under these two big headings. So it's a lot of stuff for you to take in. But the first in verse five, Paul starts with this. He's like, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Or in another translation, he says, what is Paul? What is Apollos? And he starts that way because people love to build a hierarchy, right? When we look at our identity, so often our identity is influenced by status and by power. People love to be called by a title. People love to feel like I'm more important than other people. Some people are more important than others. Some have a higher status than others. Some people are more important than other people. But Paul comes with this first part in verse 5, and he wipes out any form of status, and he says, we are both servants of God. Paul says that our identity does not lie in our status or in our power, but our identity lies in Jesus. That is where it is coming from. So basically, he's saying that if you look up to a person in a wrong way because of their status or their identity, you're looking at them in the wrong way because you don't understand that in the sight of God, we are all the same. We are all servants of Christ. Jesus, when he came to earth, the King of kings, the creator of everything, came and he said, why did I come? To serve you. He washed people's feet A job that only the lowest of low slaves were allowed to do because feet were seen as unclean, unholy. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he washed feet. And Paul is like, listen, you need to get something right. As we're going into a season of transition, the first thing he wants us to know is don't compare leaders. Because we're all working for God. Don't put people on a pedestal that's unhealthy, okay, not our president, not your boss, not your husband or your wife, and not your pastor. Yes, they should always be honor and respect and love, but don't put them on an unhealthy pedestal because then what we start to do is we compare these pedestals, these different thrones to each other, and we see certain people as better than others, and Paul is like, that is the wrong way to look at it because people have different functions that God has given them. I had a specific function in the history of Prodeo. Milo will have a specific function in the history of Prodeo. And after myself, after Milo, after the next two or three pastors, there will be hopefully many more pastors to follow. And he's like, have a healthy view. Find your identity in Jesus. And when you look at people, see them as the servants of God they are, and don't compare them to each other. But then he continues in verse 6 to 7. And again, he does this thing where he says, okay, Paul and Apollos again. He says, Paul planted Apollos water. You see, because people love to compare achievements against each other. We love to put people on a pedestal, right? This is gold, this is silver, and this is bronze. First place, second place, third place. That person gets a promotion because he did a better job than than that person. We love to compare achievement. Why? Because we find our identity whether we want to know it or not, in the work we do and in how we achieve in that work. So we sometimes do that in the church with our leaders as well. We compare the work of leaders to each other. But Paul wipes out this idea that it is his achievement. It's like it doesn't matter who who planted the seed. It doesn't matter who watered the seed. What does matter is that God made it grow. So Paul is saying when you look at life, when you look at your work, when you look at the successes you achieve when you look at your leaders and the work they are doing, guess what? Any success that has been achieved as a Christian does not lie with me, but it lies with Christ. He's the one who empowered me. He's the one who gave me the ability to do this, and the honor, therefore, should go to God. So instead of finding our worth in achievement, we need to find our work, Paul says, our our identity our our um we need to find our worth not in our achievement but in the work that God has called us to do he says because one is called to water one is called to to plant the seed initially so what does it mean for us as a church don't compare the work of leaders god has called different leaders for different tasks Each of our teams have different leaders. Each of our groups have different leaders. And the church have different leaders. So don't compare them to each other because at the end of the day, God uses different leaders to achieve different things at the end of the day for this purpose, to see the church grow. I want to tell you today, don't get so caught up in who is planting or who is watering that you miss what God wants to do. Not just in Prodeo and in the church, but in your own life, and that is God wants to see the seed grow. See, for most of us, at some point in our life, we sat in a church service or we heard a message on the radio or saw it on TV or listened to a podcast, and every time we listened to something, every time we were in in a city in a church, God used someone to plant a seed in your life, and we don't know, even your testimony to someone, Where we slot into this bigger picture. But we sow seeds and other people water it. But at the end of the day, God makes that seed grow. And don't get so caught up on who is leading a church or who is doing what. That you miss out that the purpose of God is to see a seed in your life grow. But he continues in verse 8 to 9 with the same structure with Paul and Apollos again. And he says, Paul who plants and Apollos who waters work together for the same purpose. See, people not only place people in different categories based on their successes and their status. But as we place people in categories, what do we do? We start to divide. We do that naturally as human beings, right? When you are in school, there's a group for the skaters. There's a group for the muses, There's a group for, for the rugby jocks. There's a group for the trompeopies. And, and we get all these different groups. And then we grow up, and suddenly it's not just groups based on that. Now we form groups based on race, and we form groups based on language, and we, we form groups based on the color of our skin, And at the end of the day, that is not how God wants us to live. You see, Paul wipes out this idea of different groups that divide about whatever you want to divide because he says we are God's workers working for the same purpose. He's like, as a church, it doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter what political party you vote for. It doesn't matter what leader you like more. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. What matters is that there is something so much bigger than the stuff that divides us, and that is Jesus, and we r- unite around that. You see, but we've got a real enemy that always that's always looking for ways to divide his church. And Paul is looking at this church and he's seeing this church divide based on who was leading it, and he's like, "That is not what God wants. We're here for the same." purpose. We are as a church not independent. Yes, I know in this world we are taught that it's survival of the fittest. Yes, we're taught to be independent, to do stuff ourselves, but he says that's not the way God designed us. We should be interdependent, dependent on each other to see this bigger purpose of God. It's like a band. Each of these instruments on their own sounds fairly good, but together it sounds great. If you ever listen to a violin on their own, unless it's like a world-class solo, it sounds like a cat dying. But put a whole bunch of them together, and it's a beautiful symphony. Instead of dividing around stupid stuff, find unity and belonging in Christ, in His mission. So what does it mean for us? Check your heart, and make sure that you are not causing division. In this church. As leaders, we work together for the same purpose. When we planted Prodeo, when Milo and Allison planted LCCT, we met each other just before that. And although we planted two different churches, we were working for the same vision. And then God brought these two church plants together during the crazy time of COVID. And we're still working together for the same vision. But guess what? We will never work exactly the same. Because God has these differences between our ministries because of a different assignment that God has for each of us. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just God uses different people for different things to achieve His bigger purpose. So let me ask you this today. As you check your heart, how is God calling you to work with Milo and Allison as they are leading this church to build this church? So the first part of this story, Paul is saying, check your heart. Make sure that your heart is not so spiritually immature that you are doing the wrong things like putting people on pedestals and comparing them with each other and comparing the work with each other and then dividing into these groups that tears the church apart. It's like, that's not what it's supposed to be. But now after you've checked your heart, if you've made sure that your heart is in the right place, that you are for the unity of Christ, that you love your leaders no matter who they are, after you've checked all of those things, now what do we do? How do we move forward? We check our heart, and then Paul says, now we work to leave a legacy. That's my second point. You guys will have to do my slides. It's not moving this side. Work to leave a legacy. In verse 10 to 11, <clears throat> he says, I've laid a foundation excellently, and now others are building on it. Because we live in a world where we are so driven by instant results. By vending machines and online forms that we can complete and get a result immediately. We are so driven by instant results and consumerism that it leads me to live for myself. If I want something, I get it now. I want more and more stuff. And the more we live in that world, the more we start living for ourselves and the more we start missing the bigger picture. You see, Paul planted churches, but he didn't stay long. Paul didn't try to build something for himself that was so amazing, like buildings registered to his name, and he felt good about it. I once spoke to a pastor, by the way, that said he wanted to build a legacy. And part of his legacy was he wanted, his, his ministries was registered in his own name, and he wanted to build this big building so that he can pass it on to his children. I'm like, you're missing the point of the church, man. Paul was like, the longest he stayed was 18 months because he didn't build something for himself. He built a legacy that would outlive himself. He built something that would change cities, that would change the world for 2,000 years after he lived. You see, we are here today probably directly as a result of Paul. He had a long-term picture. And what is sad to me is that we miss it. I, I'm, I'm busy working through the Old Testament, and I read through, um, through Genesis and Exodus, and I'm, I'm currently busy with Leviticus. But what is so interesting to me is the long-term view that people had in the Old Testament. God makes a promise to Abraham of this nation that will be more than the sand of the sea. And at the end of the day, he's got two children. And then God gives that promise to Isaac. And still we don't see that happening. And then finally... They end up with Joseph and his brothers in Egypt, and they end up being slaves for 400 years. And only after that do we see the promises of God coming to fulfillment as a journey through a desert. And as they finally, after 40 years in the desert, enter the promised land. You see, every one of these leaders worked not just for themselves and for their generation, but for the generation to come. And when I'm looking at places like Europe and I look at a country like Canada, I, bes- I realize that the church is in very rapid decline because people sat in pews of churches seeing what they could get from it instead of working for the generation to come. So now their children have no churches left because no one built churches for their children. They built churches for themselves. And we are falling for the same trap. We were in 2019, we had the privilege of visiting friends of ours that planted a church in Ireland where there's only 5% of Protestant Christians. And we visited one of the oldest buildings in Ireland in Dublin, Christ Church Cathedral. Now this started as a little Viking church that was built out of wood in the year 1030. So this church is more than a thousand years old. And what was interesting to me is we were walking inside of this church, and, and there's this little plaque that says, look up, and you will see this different building styles in this one cathedral. So there's Gothic and there's Romanesque building style. And I'm like, I don't know, it all looks like old building to me. Like, I don't really see the, the, the difference. But when you stand outside and you look at the pictures, you kind of get an idea of what is, and, and they say that you see these different building styles because this was built over generations. First the wooden building, then stone, then the roof collapsed, and they added onto it, and, then, and you see all these different building styles that they used to build because they didn't just build for a generation, they built for generations to come. When we planted Prodeo Church, Ilana and I started and we said, can we reach 1% of the city of Cape Town? that's 40,000 people. Well, like that's impossible, right? It's impossible in a year. Maybe it's impossible in five years. But what about 30 years? What about 40 years or 50 years? And when we started, we realized that we can reach 1%, but it will probably not just be in our time. It means we cannot plant one church in the northern suburbs, but we need to plant multiple churches and we need to plant multiple campuses to reach 1% of the city of Cape Town. And I'm like, can we do it? I think we can. But then we need to have this idea, we need to have this picture in our head. We need to see the bigger picture of what God is building, not just for this generation, but for the generations to come and say, I'm not just here to be comfortable and to get what I want out of this. I'm here to build something that will outlast me. And guys, guess what? Pro is already outlasting me. Five and a half years we put of our life into this and it's outlasting me already. And it's continuing because of you, not because of me. There in the back, there's two people, Gavin and Nicole, and Chris is here somewhere as well. Those three people have been with us from day one when we started planting church. And this church would have never been here because of me and Yolanda. It is here because of people that bought into the vision and said, we're going to give our life to build something bigger than ourselves. Can you see the bigger picture? Beyond what you're just getting out of this in this moment, or beyond what you are putting in, I want you to get today that we have the privilege of building something bigger than ourselves so that others might find life in Jesus Christ. If we live for ourselves, our life vision will be driven by our egos. But if we live for Jesus, our vision is driven by faith to build something that will outlast me. And I want to tell you, we do, there is no better foundation in this world to build upon but than Jesus Christ. He has stood the test of time. And when everything fades in this world, even stuff that's up and coming like a mission to Mars, when that is gone and when people have forgotten about it and when it's not strange anymore, the church of Jesus will still stand because it is a foundation that has been built upon that will never crumble and that will never shake. So if you want to build something in this life that will outlast you, don't just go for money. Don't just go for houses. Yes, leave a legacy of healthy finances and and strong family culture. Leave that for your kids. But even money will fade away. The one thing that will not fade is the legacy of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the thing I want to instill in my children, the legacy I want to leave them, is a legacy that nothing matters more in this life than knowing Jesus because when this life fades into nothing, there is eternal life in the presence of the living God, and it comes through faith in Jesus. This is the kingdom legacy that we're building. Paul is like I started; now someone else is continuing. I started with Prodeo, Milo started with LCCT. Now Milo is building on top of this, and Milo will want to pass on to someone else that will build on top of it, and you guys will be part of it, but let's build this kingdom legacy, and this is how you need to build. Paul says in verse 12 to 14, there's many different materials that you can use from gold to straw, but he says fire will reveal what kind of work has been done. You see, it's not so much about what you do, but how you do it. And you might be here today, and maybe part of the reason why you look up to certain leaders and down to certain people is because you feel that certain jobs are more important than others. I want to tell you, in the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than anything else, because I'm standing here preaching my heart out, and people think, like, that is the main position to have in church. But research has shown that people decide to join the church in the first 10 minutes after they arrive at church. They haven't even heard me preach yet. They decide that based on the people that greeted them at the door, the people who serve them coffee, the people that they don't even see, that works behind the scenes to brew coffee or to do sound. Each and every job is important. It's not about what you do, but how you do it. And therefore, we have a value at Prodeo where we say we go the extra mile. We always do more than we can. We always give our best. When we give our offerings to God, it's not the last item on our budget. It's the first item. When I serve, it's not with the little bit of time I have left. It's with the best portion that I can give God. When I do my job, I don't do it just to get it done, to tick something off. I give my best of it because it is for God and at the end of the day, everything I do speaks of the God I serve. When people walk into this church, they're going to see something of the God we serve and we want them to see the beauty and the majesty of the God we serve. Can you see the bigger picture? If you can, you will want to give your best for it. I want to give my best to the kingdom of God, whether it was in Pretoria or Joburg or Cape Town or Toronto, because I'm building something that will outlast me. We are busy leaving a life changing legacy. That's what we're building. We're building a life changing legacy that will change the city forever. And I want, you to, I want to invite you to give your best to this. To no matter who's leading this church, to don't divide into faction and don't compare stuff with each other. To not divide into little groups, but to say together in Jesus, we work to live, leave a legacy. We, we see the bigger picture that will outlive us, and therefore we give our best. So I want to start our transition time with this message today. Check your heart. If you're going through a difficulty, yes, it might be difficult to say bye to some people. But if you are not looking at this in a healthy way, I want to tell you the problem is not the transition that's happening. The problem is your heart. That's what Paul is saying. So check your heart. And the second thing is, let's put in the effort. This is worth it. Your job will fade Your money will fade, your life will fade. But what we're doing here will outlive everything. Let's pray. Jesus, change is never easy. But I pray that you will help us to examine our own hearts. I pray that you will help us to see the bigger picture. I pray that you will encourage us to give our best to a cause so much greater than any other cause out there. I pray that we will be part of building your church here on earth, that we will be a part of seeing life change happen all over the city of Cape Town. I pray that we will will follow the leaders that you appoint to this church, no matter who they are, because we are all working for you. I pray that you will bless this church. God, I pray that our time here will bring us so much growth because of what you do in us and what you do through us. I pray that you would bless Milo and Allison as they prepare to lead this church. That you would give them courage and boldness to do this. May this church become all that you have imagined it to be. So much more than I can ever imagine. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.